oh my gosh that was a blast <laughs> i wish more hosts could actually you know do the back and forth like we did oh my gosh that was wonderful thank you so much i'm so glad i reached out this this was uh this was special it just was and, and i've never actually used that word before and i've been part of hundreds of interviews this one was really special so thank you Hi, this is Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment, and this is another episode of The Tingle Zone. In this episode, I'm talking with Steve Gamlin, who is a stand-up comedian, radio DJ, professional speaker, and an expert in vision boards and using visualisation to achieve great results. This is the perfect conversation to carry us through the festive season. Full of great stories, powerful learning points, and an all-round joy to listen to, my interview with Steve is the perfect way to bring the 2021 season of the Tingle Zone to an end. We cover many topics, including how to maintain a positive mindset, looking for the positive in every situation, and what to do when only a handful of people turn up to one of your events. Naturally, we also get into vision boards themselves and why much of what you're told about them doesn't work. In short, he loves his music, loves to tell a story, and loves to bring a smile to your face. Before we jump into the interview, do remember to download a copy of my latest book, More Than Just Money, by going to my website, businessenjoyment.com, and a pop-up should appear where you can put your details and information in. This book runs through the business enjoyment model, shows you how you can use it to find a solution to pretty much any problem, and of course explains what I really mean when I say that I want you to enjoy your business so much, it makes your bits tingle. So do check that out, but for now, sit back, relax, look forward to the year ahead, and most of all, enjoy. My name is Steve Gamlin, and for the past 17 years, I've enjoyed life as a professional speaker, blending motivation, humor, and a big focus on visualization, helping people to see what their goals look like to get started. Brilliant. And when you say motivational speaker, where are you speaking? And and I guess these days it'd be different to a year ago, but in principle, what's your uh, stage of choice? Uh, geographically, mostly here in New England, although I've been out to the far end of the country for a couple of speaking events, but I tend to kind of stay uh, on the East Coast. But since March of 2020, I've been sitting here in the woods of New Hampshire, dressing nicely from the waist up. <laughs> and... Uh, how did you become a motivational speaker? Because it's one of those things I always find interesting. The motivational speaker kind of has to have a story to tell in that speech, or I know you might have several, whatever, but there's, there's normally stories in the background that leads to the point that create the motivational speaker. So how did you become you? I can tell you exactly. I, I know the moment that it happened. Sometimes people say, I don't know when it started, but I had this dream. No, I know the moment it happened. In the early 2000s, I was in the radio industry, I was married, and at age 35, I blew up my radio career and I just quit because I was burned out. And I went through a divorce after that with 62 grand in debt. And on a Friday afternoon in August of 2003, I had $3 in my pocket and I got a big bucket of golf balls and went to a driving range. And because I'm a dangerous golfer, I went to the farthest tee box on the property so I wouldn't hurt anybody. And so I was under power lines and a thunderstorm came through. So for an hour, I hit golf balls, barefoot in the wet grass, in a thunderstorm, under power lines. 
and at one point even held the club up and just looked at the sky and i said go ahead i dare you just take me out my life blows so i hit my ball uh bucket of golf balls in the golf balls of two guys who ran from the storm so after an hour i got to my car and when i opened the door the sun came out i just started laughing thinking okay well played and that week i talked to my brand new life coach and he says so how was your week and i said why don't you put your pen down and listen to this <laughs> and i just tried to make it sound as funny as possible and pathetic but funny and he says i got two questions are you this open and honest about your life with everybody and i said yeah usually in a self-deprecating way but sure why not and then he asked you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian i think you would be great at both and three weeks later, I was in an intro to stand-up comedy class. And a week after that, I was in my first Toastmasters meeting to learn how to structure stories and present and all that. And I've been doing that ever since. I mean, you're obviously speaking beforehand because you had your own radio show and stuff. Uh, and was that just very straightforward? Here's the next song. Or were you starting to increase the amount of you that was coming into the radio show? I was actually a morning show producer in rock radio for most of my 10 years on the radio. So most of the time I, I never even spoke. All right. Okay. Uh, my name actually in the middle, uh, I was on New Hampshire's biggest rock station, which, you know, that and 50 cents will buy you coffee. Uh, <laughs> my name for three years was silent Steve. So that's how much they let me talk. I was silent Steve for three years, but uh, I, I just had no confidence and I wasn't, my, my voice was not then what it is now. Mm somebody said once you have a great voice for radio i said it's a damn shame i didn't have it when i was on the radio i mean did you try it i mean you had you had a attempt at it that failed is that uh, a couple of times but i had this this thing in my head about how i should sound yeah. as a dj it was a little faster my voice was a little higher it, it, it just wasn't me and and one day actually very very near the end of my career i did have to be on the air because our morning guy quit in the owner of the radio station was going to put it back on satellite because we had taken it off satellite to make it live and all of a sudden the boss goes look if the owner finds out that the morning guy quit he's going to pull the plug on all this work i said well uh i can do it <laughs> and i was horrible for the first week and at the end of the week one time i just said hey everybody big one on 1.5 this is steve uh hey look i may suck as a dj but if you listen to me read the weather for 42 seconds i'll play you a kick-ass rock song and I just said it and hit the song and my boss came down and he goes, why the hell can't you just be like that all the time? He goes, that was the best thing you've said all week. And I figured it out wherever you are, just be yourself. And it was the very end of the career as I was burned out and quit, but I took that into speaking shortly after. Mm. And it's interesting because they, they, they you know said a few times that there's a lack of confidence and the self-deprecating and you know that suggests there's an underlying issue in the confidence area across the board um maybe maybe not i'm guessing um but then there's also that be yourself thing and it's just an interesting space around you if, if you aren't confident but you're going to be yourself then that means don't be confident but be yourself <laughs> yeah oh wait it, man, believe me it's a vicious cycle it's like a dog chasing its own tail for years um no i i used to be i used to struggle with confidence big time uh i i don't now uh and i used to be very self-deprecating because it always got a laugh mm. so i did it more and more but the problem is it became like this somebody tried 
asked me to explain it one time. I said, it's like this. There's a clown at the circus all day long who takes pies in the face and falls down and everybody laughs. And at the end of the, of the night, they roll up the tent, turn down the lights. Everybody goes home happy, except the clown who walks home alone in the dark, crying. So that's what it's like when you spend a couple of decades of your life being that way. You know, you make everybody else laugh by it, but then you're not happy doing it because your inside voice, your heart and your mind are listening to this. Mm. You telling yourself you're worthless. So I, I, you know, I share that story a lot mm. because I, I got over it around 2010 was where the final nail in the coffin to that went. I was a, a part of a three-day personal development event and the organizer who would, we had just met, we're great friends still. On the third day, I spoke all three days. And on the third day, whatever reason, I woke up in a mood that I just bashed myself telling the old stories of screwing up and, but no redemption. I mean, the audience laughed. So I kept telling more stories about what an idiot I was. And at the end, the, the organizer came over. He says, if I ever hear you do that again, to yourself in front of an audience and not give them the hope and show them the redemption and cut yourself some slack. He said, I'm going to kick you super hard with boots on in a place or a part of your body. Your doctor only gets to see once a year. I'm like, okay, you know, thanks. <laughs> you know, don't just kid glove it to me, but he was right. Cause I listened back to the recording of it and whatever it was where my mind was that day, I was right back in the days where I just did not like who I was, didn't like my lack of confidence, focused on the mistakes and not the breakthroughs. And I just made myself real small. And it, it was a total disservice to that audience. They deserved better. Yeah. And it's, as you say, if you can bring it up, people up at the end, so they've got that position of hope and you're going with that journey as well. That's you know, self-deprecating humor is the thing that people use as an easy tool because it gets everyone bored no one's a victim other than yourself so everyone feels comfortable in laughing and that, but yeah you need as a, as an individual to have that up bit at the end don't you yeah yeah when you start to believe it the bad stuff you say about yourself yeah. that can become an issue and it, and it did that day it was a bad issue that day but now the stories i tell about the things i've done i mean i know that they are just footnotes and they're all bricks in the foundation i mean i had to go through those to have what I have now, what I have now, this, I just turned 53. This is the happiest version of me there's ever been. And how, how do you, I mean, I, you, I, we, we get this sort of rock bottom moment where you have a bit of insight, but there, there's also that uh, journey you've got to take beyond that as well. When you've had a history where everything's gone wrong, you've got that, the negativity, you're thinking, well, okay, I've, I've, ha I've had a win, but it's only one. And even to, how, how did you build yourself up and get that confidence back up? one tiny little victory at a time. And the victories for me as a speaker, as a writer, as uh, you know, a, a guy who appears on a lot of radio shows and my video channel, the victories for me are when I find out somebody took something I said and applied it in their lives and created a positive outcome. And when I hear about those, those build me up. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with what I create and what I put out there. It's not like I'm waiting for the world to say, hey, you're great. Uh, but when I hear that, I know that I'm on the right track because somebody who is right now where I was is applying the knowledge I've shared and what I learned so that their journey can go. Mm. But it wasn't like, and some people say, oh, Steve, that first time when you heard the roar of the crowd and it's like in the movies, you know, the music comes up and the angels, you know, ah, and all the clouds part. I go, uh, no, 
<laughs> I said, man, I, and they said, you're like a Phoenix rising from the ashes of your radio career. I said, dude, my Phoenix rides a pogo stick. Are you kidding me? I burnt my tail feathers off dozens of times again, and I've made mistakes and fallen back into the fire. I said, you just got to keep bouncing back up. And you just try to bounce a little higher each time. It's never one fell swoop. I don't want to be a one hit wonder. I want to keep coming out of that fire and, and taking everything life teaches me because if I'm going through it, someone else is. Mm. So it's my job to help those people and guide them through it because they may not have the confidence or belief in themselves. And if I can teach them how I got through it, and that's all I ever say is, look, what I teach is what I've gone through. I'm not giving you a super secret formula. I'm coming right out of my journals here. If I can have an impact on somebody to save them from some of the pain, maybe that I went through or frustration or confusion or bad decisions, that's what makes me happy. Mm. And I like that, there's that, that point about that third party observation that validates the action that you're taking. Because a, a lot of people will, you know, they won't accept the compliment. You know, they'll back that off because they won't accept it. They don't believe it themselves. So they won't, won't tr uh, believe it. When they see change in another person, which is visible to them, and they're following their path, then something starts clicking. And I think that's a great connection there. Yeah. Yeah, I love it when I see other people going, wow, this stuff does work, huh? I said, I told you it did. I, <laughs> and, and I said, I don't make up these stories because someone asked me that one time. Hey, Steve, that's interesting, that story. How'd you make that one up? I'm like, really? Have you not been watching this little journey sputtering smoke over the past 17 years? You know, it's like it started off like that old rickety plane that delivers, you know, mail to the remote woods of Alaska, you know, do, 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 do. it's, it barely stays aloft, but it gets there every time. And that's, that's kind of what my career started off. Like I was this sputtering airplane held together by duct tape and a prayer. And it just, it kept getting better and, and bigger audiences and, and repeat audiences. And I, I'm just grateful for every single person who's ever shown up to, to listen or to read my stuff or or to listen to conversations like this when i hear from people that said hey steve i heard you talking with andrew and oh my gosh this story you guys shared and oh um i, I did something today because of that i looked in my mirror didn't call myself an idiot and I, I tell people that all the time find something you like about yourself in the mirror every day and if you're so unwilling to compliment yourself look down and say well at least your socks match and i hope they do like, that's where it goes wrong yeah <laughs> I, know, I know someone who's ritual they will never wear socks that match it's <laughs> so they're screwed <laughs> well they better look up and like something about well i'll tell you what then they can at least look in the mirror and say you know what i am unique and i'm good with that absolutely <laughs> and i like you and you said that to to get your speaking journey on the way you became a toastmaster uh, I'm a Toastmaster as well. We didn't hadn't realize this beforehand. So, um, and lots of my uh, people I know are. So talk me about your uh, your experiences, that first speech that you did through Toastmasters. And, and, and obviously, if anybody listening doesn't know Toastmasters, feel free to just see a little explanation about them. But um, I want to hear about your, how you felt coming up with that first speech as well. Uh, the first speech, mercifully, is the shortest one in the manuals that we have. It's a three to five minute, uh, what they call the icebreaker, which is kind of introducing yourself to the chapter. And I was just so excited at that point and so overjoyed. 
from that moment of somebody asking me, have you ever thought of being this? And here's your first step. So I wasn't really scared or nervous. Uh, the skills were not there yet as far as uh, pacing myself and pausing and, and vocal variety and facial expression and body posturing. That all came as, the, as I progressed through the manual. But that first time, it was joyful. I don't remember a, a split second of it. But I just remember how much fun I had because I made people laugh mm. and, and shared a lesson and shared how I got there. And it was kind of the, the first seeds of what I still talk about now, because everything I learned in Toastmasters has helped me to get where I am now. Um, it, it's like the toolbox for effective presenting. That's how I usually explain it. All the tools you need are in that first manual. You can go on after two advanced manuals, which I did with the humorous ones. But everything you need is in those first 10 speeches. You just got to be brave enough to get up there and fail a little so that you can get better. Mm. Uh, that you, you've uh, the line I use, you almost hit upon it there is it's a it's a safe place to fail. That's yes. one of the lines I always call it. And because you get a, you've got a group of people that want you to do well, will help you to be better. They'll give you great feedback, tell you what to look out for, but it's all so supportive that you can mess up. You can, I've, I've, I've always been okay standing in front of people because of my job, I had no choice. So you, you, I kind of, uh, I, I dealt with companies that had gone bust. My, my job was to go in and announce a whole factory full of people, your jobs are at risk, or in some case you're being fired. You've got to get over that fear of standing in front of crowds pretty damn quickly in those situations. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, oh my gosh wow. but i've still had situations where i've uh had an improv question thrown at me or whatever it might be and just gone blank and just yeah. i've got nothing to say and and that's okay it's all right it's yeah. it's i'll be back up here again next week <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I tell everybody i said wherever you're at if you have to present or if you're going to be put on the spot or improv take a look around it, it just be familiar with your surroundings always this whether you're a speaker or not because you're going to have an opportunity to tie in something in the room to just flow so beautifully and you want to talk about building your confidence when you can start to do that when you can just pick something from around you or a person or an object and just work it into your message in such a way that it creates impact for people that's powerful and that's something i learned at Toastmasters, mm. whenever we would do the the impromptu speaking, I believe it was called table topics. That's great, yeah, yeah. Um, we would have table topics competitions, so we would be the competitors sequestered down the hall in the kitchenette area of the building we were at. So I started stuffing my pockets with kitchen items, and somebody said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Depending on what they ask us for a question, because we don't know in advance." I said, "One of these may suddenly become a prop. I'm being prepared." I may never go into my pockets. Mm. And my question that day was, as a child, did your mother give you a life lesson that turned out to not be true? And as soon as they said it, I smiled and I closed my eyes. I reached my back pocket and I said, yeah, mom told me to never. And I pulled out a pair of scissors. I said, never run with scissors. And everybody just, oh, how did you know? I said, I had 13 other props in my pocket. I just happened to reach for the scissor. You know, it just... It put me in a perfect spot to have an advantage by just being aware of my surroundings. So I encourage people to do that wherever you are. Mm. Just look around, be aware. Anything can become 
part of your flow and part of your next success story. Mm. And as you say, it takes a while to get to that position where you get comfortable, but it's it's that thing around, you know, um, Alison Moyet, the singer from the 80s singer from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, um, when you were talking about imperfections, I remember an interview with her. Um, we, you know, we were talking about it's okay to mess up, it's okay to fail. And she was on the radio and they were interviewing it and they said, have you ever messed up on stage or something embarrassing happened or, you know, they forget the songs. And she goes, all the time. And I love it because <laughs> that's what Perfect. makes it a live performance. Yeah, These people have paid to come to see me not listen to a record. And if I mess up, I mess up. <laughs> shows I'm real, shows I'm live. Because you know what? I can jump back on that horse and sing that note again or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I love that. Beautiful to hear. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. And and I've, um, one of my signatures, like my why, and, and I'll, I'll give you this super quick. When I was 24 years old, broken, depressed, living on my grandfather's couch, barely graduated college. And I had a friend who kept asking every once in a while, why didn't you ever follow your dream of being on the radio? So I finally did that year, totally broke, borrowed money, went to broadcast school, got an internship, drove to that friend's house three months later and said, hey man, I, I got a radio, you know, got my in at a radio station. And he was so proud and so happy. And so I told you so, he died three weeks later. So I did my 10 years and I blew that all to hell and went through a divorce and was 62 grand in debt. And when I became a speaker, a friend of mine, a couple of years later, a different friend, why are you a speaker? Because I want to help people. Why? Blah, blah, blah. 17 whys later, I said, because I had a friend who believed in me when I didn't and encouraged me to go for my dream and passion. I said, as a speaker, that's who I want to be for other people. And I was almost crying when I said this because it, it, it just hit me in that moment. He goes, don't ever forget that. So one time I was in a speech early on and I said, something and I scanned the whole room and I scanned all the way back and I still could not remember what the hell I was supposed to say next. So I grabbed the chair, turned it around, sat on it backwards, put my chin on my arms and said, do y'all mind if I take a second to explain why I became a speaker? And I told the story about my friend dying. I'd never told it on stage. And I had people in the audience weeping openly. And people saying, Steve, when you did that, oh my, when you looked at us the whole way across and all the way back, that was powerful. And I told that person a couple of years later, I go, remember when you said how powerful that pause was? She goes, yeah. I go, I couldn't remember what the hell I was supposed to say. And I just spit out that story of my friend. <laughs> Literally had never told it on stage before. It's now one of my most requested stories. Mm. Um, so just in the moment, you know, just pause. I, I never could have done that without Toastmasters. I would have crapped my pants and, and, and run out of the room. <laughs> and they just said, wherever you are, plant yourself, be confident, even if you're freaking out. That's why I tell people, just be aware of what's going on. Because I could have just picked one person out of the audience or something on the wall and it told a story and got back on track. But just... That's where it was supposed to start being told, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
God, so what? I mean, the, the, I think what we tend to do, we're, we're very good at filtering stuff out. Our brains are designed to filter out lots of noise and everything, which is how we can function. But the flip side of that is, is that when we have a small data pot that, in front of us, that's all we can see. That's all we know about. So when you've got that first speech coming up, for example, and this could be the same, whether it's a first sale or conversation or whatever it might be, but that's all you can see. Just the one thing and your entire life is based around this one speech. And it feels like everything because it is 100% of your experience. Truth of the matter is a few years down the line, that's first of 100, 200, 500, and it's waiting w-e-i-g-h waiting is is has shifted from everything to to nothing right it's so worked up about a specific event and yet over time it just loses its validity because you're going to do it again and you'll do it again and it'll be different and it'll be better and then it'll be worse and then it'll be better again and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and believe me i've been at every part of the spectrum and, and it's funny because something you said just reminded me of that where you talk about doing it again many many more times always embrace your earliest attempts or performances or or failures, always embrace them. And I, I've talked to so many people that say, oh, Steve, I've I've done 10 videos now. Oh my gosh, you have to go back and delete the first three. I said, why? Because they were horrible. I said, have you seen mine? <laughs> my, my earliest stuff, and I used to bash myself over it. Oh my gosh, the lighting's bad, the sound's bad, this, 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 this. I've adopted a phrase that I use now for everything. I don't go back and delete things. I just look at it and say, oh my gosh, that is adorable. Look at me. <laughs> but it gets me to understand these were all, these were the first seeds mm. in the garden or the first bricks in the wall or, or whatever you want to call it. I had to be at that level. I had to be brave enough to hit record to capture wherever I was at mm. the time. I even look back to articles I wrote back then. And I just, I read them now and I go, oh my gosh, that's adorable. Look how cute I was when I was going to be, when I was starting as a motivational speaker, rah, 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 you know, rainbows and unicorns. Um, some of the stuff was things other people were doing all these times. And, and somebody asked me in an interview recently, and I love this because it just fell out one day. I said, so Steve, describe yourself as a motivational speaker. I said, okay, here's my style. Plato and Socrates were philosophic. Shakespeare could be comedic or tragic. I said, I write things like, don't let people fart in your elevator. Basically <laughs> means don't allow toxic people to yeah. be in your space. That's, that's pretty much what it means. But that's how I express things. And those are the ones that get remembered. Mm. And so I'm just me. I mean, that's something I would say. Mm. So it just comes out that way. I don't try to pretty anything up anymore. The weirder the funnier, but the more raw of a nerve it can hit because it's just in your face, not to be offensive in your face, but it's just very blunt. That's pretty much how I handle myself on stage, off stage, backstage, on the street corner, or walking down the Captain Crunch aisle at the grocery store. I mean, I'm just the same everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, putting that theme of authenticity back in again and again with that, that looking back to the, the early videos and, it's like that standing in the mirror thing again. You can spot all the problems if you want to, or you can change your perceptive and say, here's the positive stuff. And like you said, the positive stuff is I hit record on that first one. That's yeah. that's the positive I'm looking at there. <laughs> and yeah. so this is actually a, a, a temple and a, a, to, to, to something good. The rest comes, you know, 
Um, yeah, and I heard a, st a statistic recently, and and my my mentor didn't tell me this until after I'd exceeded where most people quit. He said most people do three to five episodes of anything, whether it's a radio show or a video channel or whatever. They do three to five. They haven't seen instant response or gratification from the world, and they quit. Now, when he told me this, I was on episode number 40 of a weekly vision board group coaching uh, series. Uh, every Monday night, 7.30 here uh, in my time zone, I'm on a call. And he told me that stat about three. He goes, okay, what number is it this week, bro? I said, 40. He goes, okay, now I can tell you this. Most people quit after three to five. <laughs> and he goes, I didn't want to tell you that at three to five in case you would quit. I said, no way, man. This past week was episode 82. And we just keep showing up and we yeah. just keep getting better. And we listen to feedback. We make improvements or adjustments. We just keep going. And there were weeks that I was the only person there in the early going. Mm. And I see people on Facebook lives sometimes. Oh, hey, well, we'll see if anybody shows up. It looks like I'm here all by myself. Okay, I guess I'll go. And I say, I've done 45 minutes in front of no audience before. I just act like the room is full. And that's the key. I've, I've had speaking audiences where two people showed up of the 35 that were supposed to, two showed up. And, and somebody says, so what do you do? I said, I just acted like the room was full. And I honored those two people who showed up. Mm. It's not about them. It's not about, I mean, it's not about me. It's about them. Mm. It, it's not about my disappointment that only two people showed up. It's me giving those two people the biggest best experience that i can create for them and and it's it's if you take that approach into your job every single day whatever you do for work give the best of your ability every single day and if you can learn something to make yourself even better tomorrow please do it yeah and and again it's it's you know why do you do what you do you, you said before you go up there and you get that that purpose, that sense of what you do, because you're watching changes in other people you know, by, by educating them, helping them, supporting them, you see the change in them. And that doesn't matter whether it's one person or a thousand people. Thousands, great, fantastic. But one person changing. Yeah. Job done. <laughs> oh, I, I was here uh, earlier today, jumping up and down, cheering for one of my clients um, because she has to work from home. Her kids are doing school from home. Her house is cluttered. She has all the supplies for two of her businesses in her house. And at the beginning of the year, she goes, okay, Steve, on my vision board, she goes, clutter must die. And I'm like, okay, that's a little violent. But um, how about, and I, and I just brainstormed, I said, what if we created a, 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 an outlook like this house needs to breathe? So how can we create more brighter space in the house for laughter, for love, for family dinner. She goes, can't see my table. I said, okay, well, maybe that's one of your goals. And, and now she trumpets it almost daily on social media with the actions of that day. And she always ends it with hashtag, this house needs to breathe. She's got shelving units. She's got two rooms that are completely now empty to be able to have family time and cooking dinners together. And the kids have a place to do their schoolwork. And she's just busting down so she sent me an update this morning and i was just jumping up and down here in the studio just cheering her on that's my favorite part of what i do as a coach is is cheering for people yeah 
Yeah, we, one of the, the uh, discussion groups we were on, one of one of our uh, members was, uh, I can't remember their, their issue, but it was, again, with all the lockdown going on and, and there's constantly working and, and the family issues and they were, were just not getting that space to for themselves and the joy and that sort of thing. And through the discussion, it got to the point, well, just give yourself 20 minutes where you just dance, <laughs> dance in the light, dance in the lounge, embarrass your kid, all that kind of stuff. Put the music on you <laughs> like, and it's like you, I'll just let you know, I'm dancing now. I've got 20 minutes, just go crazy. And yeah. every month now we catch up and it, it, she says, oh, still get me dancing in. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> yeah, love still, that. But anyway, just. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's your own space then, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah you just, you know, those little things can just make a massive difference. It's, yeah. I, I do that every night when uh, I'm washing the dishes. We have a dishwasher, but I, I hand wash the dishes and we put them in the dishwasher just to let them dry overnight. But I put my phone up in the windowsill above the sink and I have now I'm not a good dancer. I'm six foot two. I've got size 12 feet. I think they're both left. Horrible dancer. I've also I've owned a DJ company 27 years, but I stay behind the table because I can't dance. But every night when I'm doing the dishes, I'll queue up three or four videos on YouTube from my favorite classic rock uh, artists. And I just call it the kitchen sink concert series. <laughs> and I'm washing dishes and I got this rhythm going. I, I do play drums, so I've got a bit of rhythm. But I'm just rocking out while I'm washing the dishes. It brings me so much joy at the end of each day. And sometimes my wife will be in the living room going, hey, what are you doing in there? Uh, dancing? I'm like, if you want to call it that, she goes, well, I don't have my glasses on. So it might be. I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> I just see you moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did the same. I've got, I've got, so got, the, uh, got the iPad on the, on the windowsill there and do the washing up if if the ironing needs doing then stick, stick decent radio on or something on a uh, track on and yeah you get the right stuff on and that becomes the thing and the the chore in inverted commas just becomes part of what you're doing and it becomes so much much easier to uh get through <laughs> yeah it, it just i have a soundtrack for everything i mean we we have one of those alexa units here yeah. in the house so uh, first thing in the morning when I empty the dishwasher, open the blinds, you know, unlock the sliding glass door and just let some light in. Uh, it's it's usually, hey, Alexa, play the Rolling Stones. And anything from the Stones from 68 to 72, man, I'm in heaven. And I rock out. And I've got a few signature moves that the neighbors seem to enjoy because I put up the shades and I'm still dancing in the window. But it just, it's fun. It, it's like you said, if you can take a chore or a job or a task, and, and just put a little bit of joy behind it. It's going to be so much less of a burden and you, and you work your way through it and your energy on the other side of it is even better. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so uh, cropped up a few times and obviously behind the shoulder, we talked about it. So vision boards, uh, vision, visionary, visionizing, vision, vision, visionizing things. Is visionizing a word? It is now. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> Quick, put your name next to it as the, <laughs> as the creator of that word. TM, mine. Um, how did you get into vision boards? How did you get into visionizing? One of the first things that my my coach did back right after the uh, you know the golfing incident of 2003 was uh, asked me if I've ever heard of the law of attraction because the secret had just come out at that time. And what it was, was a really great broad brush of some of the older principles, but kind of packaged all together so people could understand what the law of attraction was all about. Your energy that you put out being matched and attracting things in kind, or at least increasing the odds. 
And I watched the DVD. It's 98 minutes long. I really didn't care for the fact that they actually had a genie in a magic lamp saying your wish is my command because that was a big turnoff for me. But there was a gentleman named John Asaraf about two thirds of the way through for three minutes, he talked about this thing called a vision board and how he put pictures of the goals he wanted on there, forgot about them for a while. And a few years later, rediscovered them and realized that some of the things had actually manifested in his life. And I was so fascinated by that three minutes that I started to do some deep diving into the, the basics, but applying them in my life. Because as I said, at this time, it was the lowest point in my life. Mm. I built two vision boards full of stuff. And three weeks later, realized they were both complete garbage because I was not emotionally attached to any of the outcomes. I was broke. I just wanted stuff. Mm. The one thing on there that actually did happen was I wanted to build my own recording studio because I wanted to do voiceover work and my speaking and create programs and all that. That's the one thing that that was manifested from that first board because I was emotionally connected to it. I understood why I wanted to do it. It was something I am passionate about. And all of that worked together. And then I started to build boards and understand there are eight, nine, 10 major areas of our lives. And we can't just want stuff. We can't just want money. We can't just focus on our career. We have to understand all of these things. It's not a balance between, it's an integration of. So if I take care of my physical health, I can work more hours. If I work more hours, I can earn more money. If I earn more money, I can do more acts of kindness, which is a very important thing to me. And I want to feel more positive emotions on a regular basis. So I can, if I can do all these things in such a way, I'm going to be feeling better about each day and not feeling a lack. So it's almost like a balance between all these parts working together at one time. It's, it can be like juggling chainsaws some days. But usually just keeping in mind that all these parts of my life deserve some attention and forethought, each one, if we give it enough attention, can make the other ones better. And that's what's missing with so many people who still tell me, hey, Steve, I went to a vision board party. Let me <laughs> guess. If the marketing for it started off with wine, cheese, crackers, scissors, glue sticks, you didn't do it right. You know, you hung out, you glued pictures on a board and said, hey, look, here's my goals. I, I actually launched a t-shirt line that says right on the back, big, big red stop sign. Friends don't let friends attend vision board parties. <laughs> and I, and I, I, sold, I sold a decent amount of them. It, it started off as a novelty, but it became part of my branding. I just encourage people, look, start to dig deep, understand where you are now, and then where you would like to go, really dig deep and understand why. And then think of what does it look like, feel like, sound like, even smell like. Involve your senses, involve your emotions, involve the people you know, like, and trust around you to let them in on your goals because they may be able to point you for your next best step to get there. So it's very deep and involved. And it all started from three minutes of the secret that fascinated me. And it's the, and the way you describe it, you know, it suggests that vision board's almost the wrong term because it's a, an all encompassing as you're saying it's, it's all the all the senses getting involved yeah. into the creationist thing yeah and even and, with things like I'll, I'll ask people well what emotions do you want to feel more in in the coming year well mm -hmm. i want to be happier okay when in your life are you happiest oh when i'm reading a book to my kids at night awesome have someone take a picture of you reading a book to your kids or or take a picture of you as you're reading the book with your kids' excited faces on the other side of 
the book. So it's actually thinking what all of those things in the different areas look like mm. to, to be able to tap into the emotions when you're doing it. And also the physicality of building and assembling a physical board. I try to teach people it's, it's better to do the, the physical board, my opinion, because you're actually touching. And, and we had discussed at one time before kinesthetic learning to actually be able to touch and feel and, and actually have an example, uh, a living, breathing thing that you can grasp to deepen the experience versus just in a Photoshop slapping a bunch of pictures together and not really being connected. Mm. And, and I mean, are you sort of um, allowing whatever representation comes up that suits for each person and then you capsulate that? Is that the sort of space you're going down? Yes. Yeah. To make it as personal for them as possible. And sometimes people say, well, I don't know what it looks like. All right. What does it feel like or sound like or smell like? Uh, one of my clients wants to live in Florida by the time she's 50. I think she is uh, 46 right now. And I wanted to compound the impact for her. So she found pictures of Hawaii. She actually enrolled and just got accepted for online learning to one of the big universities on the island. So she's already tapping into I went online and I said, is there such a thing as a candle that represents an infusion of the most popular sense of Hawaii? And there was. And I found the link. I sent her the link. And because she has Amazon Prime, it was at her house in two days. She lights it a couple times a week. And I found a video on YouTube on a beach in Hawaii. You can see the palm trees hanging over with these little waves lapping on the beach. I said, when you light your candle, put your headphones on. And listen to that because it's in stereo. I mean, it travels left to right, left to right, left to right. I said, just feel it and be there. And if you can immerse yourself in the experience of whatever it is, you're going to increase the odds that you're going to be aware of the opportunities to take the steps to get there. Don't just sit in your house and wait for somebody to, to knock on your door and say, hi, we're the movers. We're going to Hawaii because <laughs> that's not going to happen. But if you if you start to immerse yourself and really feel it, Mm. Uh, she she just she was in tears when when her candle got delivered she sent me a message and just said this is it's it's she's, it's something i hadn't thought of but together we created i didn't do it for her together mm. we created it you know she shared with me i i, I describe my coaching as playing volleyball you hit the ball at me, I hit it back with a response. You hit it back at me, I hit it back again. We get such a volley going that nobody cares who wins. When we've formulated or fleshed out an idea, one of us spikes the ball and then you go do it. Yeah. Nobody cares who wins. We both win. If we had a great volley, we both just won. Big time. <laughs> and again, this is me just trying to picture it sort of thing. So because so, I say it's not didn't, that is not a board. That's that's a that's an all-round sensory experience is she then capturing that in a in a vision but connecting it with the scent sounds and the smells or is she just doing the sounds and smells and that's that's the thing oh she's got her board as well she has her pictures of her favorite spots in hawaii where she would like to go uh, i actually went on google maps and i found a picture of her university i actually from the parking lot i found a picture of it and so she has that so that she can get the feeling of walking into the building mm. every day so it's it's really it's so far beyond 
just finding a picture in a magazine or finding a picture online. Uh, one of my other clients, one of her goals this year is to buy a new or at least save enough money for a down payment on a new work truck for her husband. So she found a picture in a magazine, cut it out, put it on her board. And I said, okay, Mandy, I want to ask you a question. We're going to play volleyball here. I said, is that the exact truck he wants? She goes, well, same manufacturer, but not the same model. I said, is it the color? She goes, well, he kind of likes it, but he'd rather have this, but I couldn't find a picture of it. And I said, okay, I want to challenge you. On a day when the car dealerships are closed, because you do not want the sharks circling you and bugging you. When they're closed, I want you two to go there, bring your phone when he sees the truck that makes him smile and, and just say, oh, I would love to drive that truck. Have him crouch down in front of it. You take a picture of his biggest, awesome smile truck face, and you put that on your board. And so they've they've already gone. I'm waiting for the picture. They they've gone out a couple weekends in a row um, to do that. But you know, she said she made the mistake of saying it in front of him on a Wednesday when I proposed the idea. And from Wednesday to Sunday, every day she goes, "You've created a five year old." Are we going truck shopping today? Are we going truck shopping today? Like, ma, 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 ma. And she said, oh my God, we've created a five-year-old monster. He is so excited to go put on his truck face and, and get the picture taken. And I, I love that because the energy is just there. And I think, you know, I think for me, well, part of it, but it is in that, in that the, it, you get that inner child wanting the thing. Yeah. Because it's normally the inner child that's going, oh, I don't really want to do that, or or whatever. It's, it's the inner child that's not confident. It's the inner child that fears the rejection, whatever it is. That usually is the thing that drives us. So the flip of that, getting be a kid. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I have childlike wonder about the world every yeah. single day. I, I, I see things that fascinate me every day and get me excited. Uh, you know, the, the opportunity to leave a situation better than I found it every day by coaching someone or holding a door or, or, you know, I, I just see these opportunities all the time since I started to kind of learn these steps because they take mm. me to a better place. Mm. What does an opportunity look like for you? Just having my head on a swivel and going, you know, if this happened, it might make somebody happier or like, I like to go to, when I go to the grocery store, I play what I call shopping cart rodeo. And I see all the carriages that have been abandoned somewhere in the lot. And I don't get mad at people and say, well, why did they do that? Why couldn't they bring it back? I bring them back. The reason I bring them back is I see a carriage out there and I say, it's kind of windy today. If that gets rolling, it's going to dent somebody's car and that's going to ruin their day. So why don't I just go over and do this? And some of the times I've done that, I wound up having the most amazing conversations with people who are also walking to the store. Because I'll say, hey, look, I just rescued this carriage. Uh, if you need it, it's all yours. I'll tell you what, the hand grip's all warmed up and the wheels hardly wobble. You'll love it. They start laughing. I'm laughing. And the only time it's been refused was a guy who was just laughing. And he goes, buddy, he goes, that's great. But I only need a little basket today. He goes, but that's good. <laughs> I saw him again three aisles later. And he turned and saw me and he started laughing again. And he just kind of pointed and laughed. Like, I don't know what that guy's day was like before that moment, but I know my day got better. So those are the opportunities. Those are the mm -hmm. things that I look for every day. How can I just 
make this better or more fun? How can I raise the energy around me right now? In this moment, even if there's no one around that I'm aware of, somebody might be watching and it might set a good example for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I just do it. And are you in a position where your, your, your energy is high and you want to bring other people up or are you feeling a little, I'm in the middle and I could do with a bit of a perk? Both. Both. Yeah, I, I get asked every once in a while, Steve, don't you ever have a bad day? I'm like, yeah, I have plenty of bad days. But what I do when I'm bad, having a bad day or in a funk or, or frustrated or feel like I'm stuck in a rut is I leave here and I go commit an act of kindness or two or 10, however mm -hmm. many it takes. I'll, I'll go rescue a dozen carriages if that's what it takes for me to raise my energy. And because I, I make it like it's fun. And I just make a game of it and, and just walk around and rescue as many as I can. Every time I come back home, I'm better. And it, if I can encounter another human and make them laugh and have a conversation, that's even better. But even for something as simple as that, to know that those carriages are not going to dent somebody's brand new car, I'm better mm. for that. I, I feel better. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I was on a sort of connected i guess but the, the uh i was answering a questionnaire thing for a program i was getting involved with and just to get to know you type of quiz and it says what's your go-to track um to to lift your mood when you're feeling down and i couldn't answer it <laughs> wow. because a i don't have a go-to track for anything I would, if i'm listening it would just be a you know a, a series of stuff whatever but yeah. that's not the way i access emotion uh, you know it, I, I don't get down enough to worry about it to, to i'll do things elsewise so that like you say go out and take action in a different space in a different way you don't need music to lift you up and i just couldn't answer it <laughs> yeah if that makes sense but yeah yeah oh it makes total sense because we all have our go-to and we have our plugs if you think of you know the really old style telephone systems they used to have in some in towns where they would have an operator who would unplug one plug in another and it would make a connection it would connect two people or in mm -hmm. our case we do something that connects an emotion we plug i plug in the rolling stones and it makes me joyful and i dance around in this weird mick jagger keith richards hybrid of moves Ooh. that this okay. makes my wife shake her head but it makes me happy so if i'm down i do that um first thing in the morning what i do is i write in my gratitude journal and that gets me off on a good spot because what I do is think of my three favorite moments from the day before, not to just wake up every day and say, I'm thankful for my house, my job and my wife, but every day to just think of the moments from the previous day that brought me the most joy or, or tomorrow morning, I got to have a conversation on the radio with Andrew. I mean, that's going to be in tomorrow mornings. I'll even take a picture and send it to you to prove it. That's, that's how I wake up every day. So I, I, I'm grabbing a gratitude plug and just plugging that in every day. And people say, well, Steve, 2020, come on. You could not have been grateful for anything. I wrote down over a thousand moments last year. I did it more than 300 days of three per day. So at the end of the year, when I saw all these things on social media where somebody goes in three words or less, describe 2020. And I saw like 19 people in a row do their variation on total crap storm. And I just wrote, learned new ways. Just learn new ways to do stuff. 
and and because of 2020 and not being able to get on a plane and fly my business mentor and i created a whole new way to deliver the stuff that i do in such a way that even if people are working from home if they're all part of a company team they can all be a part of it mm. and we've just we've we've had to bounce it off the wall a different way well i never would have thought of it if 2020 hadn't happened mm. so i'm just taking the taking the best of of a challenging situation and, and be grateful for the little spots of light and the little sparks I find every day. And writing them down helps me to remember it and not broad brush an entire year. I mean, heck, the morning after my dad passed away two and a half years ago, I still had three moments of gratitude for that day. And if you can lose your best friend in the world and still come up with three things you're grateful for that day, then you've got your eyes focusing in the right places. Mm. You, um, you might have seen one of my uh, my quotes, but um, you, you kind of almost summed it up sort of thing. But I um, don't know if you can see that, but uh, join the face of darkness is the path to light. Yes. And it is, some people say, well, it's not possible. Sure, it's possible because we choose to. Yeah. We, we, uh, we just, we choose what we focus on. That's all. Yeah, we, we in our... Um, it's similar with the back end of 2020 i was asking people i was working with in the wrap-up things it's like okay i, I want to quote from every one of you 2020 was a great year because yeah get the finish up and pull that together and then social media every day posting one of them out saying 2020 was a great year because <laughs> let's just yeah. spin this around why do we have to be so negative yeah there's yeah. loads of bad stuff loads of bad stuff every year yeah. there's always bad stuff you want to find bad stuff plenty of bad stuff out there yeah, you don't have to look far <laughs> to find people screaming and complaining about stuff. And yeah. it comes down to what you choose to focus on. I mean, believe me, we had a pandemic. We had a, a, a hotly contested presidential election over here in the States. Oh, no one Perhaps heard, about you that. heard of it. No, no. <laughs> Passed us by completely. Oh, my gosh. All these things going on. But yet. I chose to find something every single day to focus on, to be positive about, mm. to, to look in the mirror and say, okay, all this stuff's going on around us right now, but I've got this and my socks match. So we're going to just walk confidently into this day. We're just going to do our best. And that's it. You know, no, no name calling, no stone throwing, no tearing down. Look, the good stuff's just as real as the bad. Mm. That's what I try to tell people. I said, look, the good stuff in the world's just as real as the bad. The bad people doing the bad stuff, they just yell louder sometimes. And I think so. there's a societal assumption that if we aren't beating our chest and tearing our hair out and wailing and all the rest of it, that we're doing a disservice or being disrespectful for whatever the bad thing is. Yeah. But that's not the case. It's not disrespecting the situation. Total, I mean, the situation with your dad... You know, there's no way you're going to be disrespecting him in that finding the finding the positive. That's absolutely not it. But it's seeing it in a different way and a pre. It's all part of life at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I've had people almost attack me because I'm not talking about that stuff. Yeah. Oh, Steve, you're riding a rainbow, uh, a unicorn that farts rainbows and glitter, and uh, 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 you're all. Said, no, I'm a realist. I get it. I, I, I say very often, look, the world's not a perfect place, but I'm not going to add another 
burning log to the inferno of doom because you think I should. I said, mm -hmm. I'm going to be standing back with some marshmallows making something good out of this fire that's going on. I'm not saying the fire doesn't exist, but I'm going to do something good with it. And I'm just going to use what I need from it. it fire gives off heat. Great. I can toast a marshmallow. Great. Mm. It's pretty to watch. Great. I'm the motivational firewood guy. Great. <laughs> so just doing the best with what's around you and just choosing to just find, find the good. I mean, we, we do a lot locally with a couple of uh, homeless shelters. And it's been so cold here that they're open seven days a week to bring people in just to give them a place to warm up so they don't get frostbite. And we don't have a lot of money right now because of everything that's going on this past year. What we've started to do is, is just reach out and say, hey, look, if we baked something or we brought it in, would you take it? Because some places can and can't. They said, oh, my gosh, we'd be overjoyed. And so we, we made some cookies, brought them to a shelter. And the director called me a week later. He says, hey, when you have a chance, could you make more cookies? I said, sure. I said, but don't you get donations every day? And he goes, yeah. And we're very, very blessed and humbled and honored to get them. He goes, but there's a big difference when a homeless person comes in off the street carrying everything they own and they're freezing and they're dirty and they don't feel well and they bite into a warm cookie that someone made with love. There's a big difference between that and a three-day-old cold Entenmann's cake that's frozen to the pan. So please, if you would, keep baking cookies. And we're there every week. And I've learned a bunch more recipes. And the, the best part of it is all the people I'm meeting, whether they're volunteers or directors or homeless people, it's almost like I've got the, the, the 1269 Cafe Mafia there. We have Mary the Director. It's like a mob movie now, mobcast. Mary, the director, Danny, the inside guy, who even in the off hours will come to the door and let me in. Tall Chris, uh, uh, hood, Hooded Coat Mike, uh, Jimmy, the mop guy, because that's how I remember the first time he said, dude, I love your cinnamon raisin bread. And he was mopping. I go, what's your name? He goes, Jimmy. And in my head, I go, okay, Jimmy, the mop guy loves cinnamon raisin bread. <laughs> So it's become every trip in there is so joyful and there's no money. There's no expectation. We do it because they, they, they need it and because it's a way to express love. And I, I can't just write a big check right now. So we bake and, and they love it. And, and we try to deliver it warm whenever possible, because I always remember what that director said mm. that um, they, when it was made with love, and it might be the only comfort food they eat all day. That's why we do that. Wow. Where we go from there? <laughs> I know. It's like I, I didn't want to bring I didn't want to bring down the energy or emotion or anything, but I mean, we get I get real emotional about that stuff. Yeah. And, and there are days I've walked out of there and I just look up and I go. Thanks for making me want to be here today because I've walked in there and they said, Oh, thank you. Nothing else showed up today. We had nothing. Mm. And I've got a loaf of pear bread, apple cinnamon spice bread, and and Danny the inside guy's favorite coconut cook chip cookies. And and they just turned and they said, Yeah, nothing else came in today. We had nothing. So thank you. And I walk out of there and I'm just, I look up, I'm like, Okay. I was supposed to be here right now. Okay. 
All right. And, and that's that's the way my life goes now. I'm, I'm just where I'm supposed to be. And, it, and that comes out of a Beatles song, uh, All You Need Is Love. In the third verse, it says, there's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. All you need is love. And I just trust that wherever I'm at right now, we're supposed to be having this conversation right now, Andrew. We just are. And, and I've had people whose shows got bumped or canceled that had to be rescheduled before. And when we did connect, something had happened in my life or the hosts in that gap of time that became a very important part of the conversation. So I just trust that's where I'm supposed to be today. Mm-hmm. And it works out, doesn't it? It works yeah, out. It always works out. It, it, well, I say it always works out either a victory or I learned something because <laughs> it's not all just gumdrops and rainbows. There are days when reality, reality smacks you real hard. Yeah. But when you get back up off the floor, you're smarter for it. You see it coming the next time and you duck it or you go around it. Yeah. And that's, I, you know, the, and sometimes I have to sort of explain about my brand as business enjoyment and, and the concept of when people talk about positive thinking and that kind of stuff. And, it's not about creating a perfect world. It's about recognizing that the world's flawed and a problem and you have bad days. I'm going, okay, yeah, that's all right. I can feel bad today, yeah. but I'll feel better tomorrow because I, I, I can control that. Yeah, it's like the, the, best, the find people a way who say, people go, every day above ground's a great day. And I go, Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> I go, I know you're it, usually it's one of it's a newer speaker who I might be coaching or whatever. And I go, okay, you're new. I get it. It's a wondrous experience. And it's great to yell stuff that rhymes or looks great on a bumper sticker or a stitch on a pillow. But here's reality. Even though you're a positive person, like I'm a positive person, not every day above ground is a great day. Every day above ground, if you wake up on the right side of the grass is an opportunity to create something good or to learn something or to help someone mm. or whatever. I go, it doesn't mean just because you woke up today. I said, I can bring you to the 1269 cafe and show you a couple dozen freezing cold homeless people. They woke up today. They're above ground. They're in a very sad, scary, lonely, dangerous place. So it's our job to understand that we have to do something when we wake up every day. Mm. to make it better for other people who might be struggling and suffering mm. and i was thinking when when you just with all those stories that is that phrase of it's always better to give than to receive and the the actual phraseology which often gets forgotten about or missed out is that it's not the giving feeling is a is it makes you feel better it's about it's it, what it actually the phrase is meant to be is it is better to be in a position where you are able to give and comes back to that element of gratitude and service to mankind and that kind of stuff because you know there's a lot of levels <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh you, you've got to be very much very much at that bottom we are not able to help somebody somehow even you know you're talking about a biscuit makes a, the world a difference and sometimes it's that smile sometimes it's that kind word we've always got that in abundance we can always say a good thing, say a positive thing, make a difference, make take an action which has an impact on someone else, which will have an impact on someone else and the world gets a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, the ripples go on forever. They, they just do. 
you you make a little splash over here with someone and i've seen this with with homeless people and in need people and people who on the surface don't have a lot of of resources to themselves i've i've literally watched somebody give something to a homeless person and have them ask is it okay if i share some of this with my friend because he's watching my stuff down the street where you know in the alley where our stuff is is it is it okay if i if i give some to my friend and i just think oh my gosh here's somebody who's got very little in this world and they get something and their first thought is to share it with someone else oh my gosh i mean i i get so moved by that and i get so inspired by that and it makes me want to do more in the smallest ways even to just understand that the ripples go on forever. It's kind of like that movie, Pay It Forward, when it came out a number of years ago. You know, somebody does an act of kindness here, and then all of a sudden they hear down the line, halfway across the country, that that movement is still going and people mm -hmm. are being impacted by it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's kind of the opposite of everybody screaming on social media and sharing the bad stuff. Mm it's just keeping this energy going we don't always know how it got to us but we know we can't just keep it to ourselves <laughs> we know we want to share it with someone else and, and it's beautiful when it does that mm. we we're talking this week the group of us and uh on that sort of gratitude uh approach he he had a if he's listening to this he'll laugh because he'll remember the conversation but the um the habit they the, the, the exercise they run is i my, i call it the it's a wonderful life exercise and just to when you get sort of maybe a bit frustrated or doesn't feel like you do anything just take a moment and think okay if i hadn't been here today if we hadn't been here this week if i hadn't done anything what wouldn't have happened mm. what ripples have we created we may not know the results we've created something for some people yeah love that love that and that's why i can't skip a day because i just think oh my gosh I, I i got to be a part of this i got to experience this and hopefully it will keep going you know i, I never look at anything i ever did as saying oh wow that was great that i did that i i always try to say i'm really glad i was there at that moment and had the opportunity to do that. And, and some of them have been hysterical. Some of them have been heartbreaking and emotional because I wasn't, the original plan was for me to not be there at that time. But because I was, something happened that I'm still talking about years later on stage, whether it be to pay for someone's groceries or somebody who was about to have an accident or fall down. And I just happened to be there and they leaned against me for a moment and said, you know, I'm not feeling well. I mean, all of these things have happened. And I stop and think most times I wasn't supposed to be there. It wasn't part of the original plan. But I always say it's never, hey, look what I did. It's like, wow, look what I just got to be a part of. And when you take that approach to it, more of those moments happen. And I wonder if um, I'm just thinking in terms of mindset. I remember um, that's something my coach used to say his wife used to tell tell him <laughs> and uh, she used to say to him if we ever split up i can guarantee within six months you'd have turned it into a story 
because yeah. that's the way he worked, you know, <laughs> which is what you're talking to. And I'm just thinking back to that first conversation you had with, uh, with the guy that threatened to stick his foot where sun don't shine and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, to, to come up with that lift at the end. You mm. had that positive moment at the end. And when you're in that storytelling mindset and you've got that trained in that what's the positive outcome for this, then you're looking for it. Yeah. So whenever I'm guessing whenever you're in a moment, subconsciously maybe, what's the story here? What's the what's the happy ending we can get from this moment? Where can we go and lift this up? Yeah, exactly. That that's part of my script in my head every day. Mm. What what is where's the gold? Where's where's the rainbow ending here? What even if it doesn't have necessarily what some people say, well, that's not really a great victory. What's the lesson? So that the next person who is that close to potentially being in a tough spot can find something or, mm -hmm. or at least find some hope and say, okay, other people have gone through this. Here's how they did it. And, and that's, that's a big part of it now because I, I, everything, every day, something happens around me. There's, there's a story, there could be a new story every day. It's, it's the really wild, weird, funny, crazy ones that tend to make it to the stage, but I, I create social media posts and articles in, in little videos or Facebook lives out of all the little things that happen every day. And the most common response is, oh my gosh, Steve, how did you know I needed that today? <laughs> and my answer is always the same. Uh, I needed it. So I figured I'd show <laughs> Apparently, you, you I just, needed you to, just have to be there, you know. <laughs> yeah. I said, the universe. Well, yeah. you be that guy there, you know, and tomorrow yeah. it'll be something else or someone else. Yeah. yeah. The universe just keeps going, hmm, who could share this lesson? Oh, let's go get Steve. And let's let's go make something happen to Steve so he has a story. And and believe me, I'm I tell people they they say, Oh, what's the crazy ones? I go, I don't need any more crazy ones. I've had a few <laughs> years. Uh when when you know, one of my biggest lessons was always when you get the right instruction and when you listen and when you focus. And when you really soak it in, you'll know what to do. And a couple hours later, after jumping out of a plane 13 and a half thousand feet over southern New Hampshire, when I pulled my chute after waving off the guides and my lines were twisted, the chute opened, but I couldn't steer. I just looked up and in my head, you'll know what to do because I'd paid attention all day. Look to see what the problem is. And just take the first step to undo it. And my lines were twisted like a bread tie. So in midair, 5,000 feet above the earth, I just started putting my leg out and kicking myself into a circle to untwist the lines. The toggles fell. And I took care of the rest of the descent all by myself. Didn't panic. But because I had paid attention to all the instructions and stayed calm, we, we pretty much know how to get out of any life situation. If we just stay calm and look for the good and think of everything we've learned that got us this far that helped us survive everything else, this just becomes another lesson. Mm. And then a story. Yeah, and another story. <laughs> that, that was actually a Toastmasters speech that was called, You'll Know What to Do. And it was actually, it, it, I had it in competition uh, at one point. It did fairly well. So that's, that's one of my favorite ones that I've survived that, that worked. Yeah. Excellent. I, uh, 
it is one of those things where we could just go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this conversation I, is so wonderful and effortless and, and joyful. So thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank but, you. Uh, I, for, for we do need to bring these things to end. So I do. I, I, I think we've touched all the, all the bits already, but it's it's useful to see if you can sum it up in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, question I ask everybody at the end of every uh, podcast, Steve, what makes your bits tingle? Combining laughter and kindness every day. The most joyous, joyous parts of my day. I walk away. If I can commit a kindness and, and involve laughter in it, jackpot every day. And it's, it's a feeling that I will never, ever tire of. It just feels so great. And a never-ending supply. Yep, a never-ending supply. As long as I want to put that energy out there, it's going to find a target every day beautiful steve it's been an absolute pleasure if people need to track you down find you listen to you whatever it might be what uh, way should they be looking what should they do nice and easy they can go to motivationalfirewood.com that's where everything is links for everything that's brilliant steve's been an absolute pleasure there's some uh, yeah really moved me at points in that uh, in that conversation it's been really uh, really connect with what you're saying and uh, it's just great to hear it and uh, I hope people listening just can take that moment to always find a positive somewhere there's always something to do not to not to negate the negativity but just to sort of see the world in a different way and it can be looked at in so many different ways and it's your choice as to what that's that's meant to be so um, yeah been an absolute pleasure thank you Steve thank you very much these podcasts are not necessarily here to give you all the answers I want you to think about what's been said what's come up and how you might apply that to your own situation and if you've enjoyed it then please subscribe to the podcast and of course share it on the social media platforms and so more people get a chance to hear what's going on thanks very much for listening my name's andrew miller from business enjoyment and i want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle <laughs>